in a perfect world, you want an evergreen channel. Either a free evergreen channel, which there are some, but they just tend not to really like scale. But uh, you want an evergreen channel. And a cheap or you know low cost evergreen channel is sort of the perfect scenario. So for example, uh, uh, and obviously I have my LinkedIn background, so I always have my LinkedIn hat on. And so, but even like the smallest LinkedIn campaign, if you were talking to a LinkedIn rep, the smallest campaign I've ever done is $10,000. And it would run like a week. Like you could blow, you could blow through $10,000 and like very, very fast on LinkedIn. And, and if you had a very finite audience, I mean, you could drag it out, but you know, the, the number of engagements you're getting is very, very small. On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have Jonathan Baldick. Jonathan is an advisor over at Social HP with over 10 years of experience serving customers at LinkedIn like Accenture, JP Morgan Chase, Johnson Johnson, PepsiCo, and more. You're going to want to hear how Jonathan is disrupting the LinkedIn market by using employees to drive organic growth and leads. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. But before we begin, if you are an agency owner or media buyer, head over to funnel-.com to find out how their tools can help you scale your ads and get cash back. That's funnel-.com. Without further ado, here is your host, Dylan Carpenter. All right, everybody, we're back in action with another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. I'm your host today, Dylan Carpenter in the house. So today we have a super special guest and he's had a quite a track record of where he's worked and some clients who have spent a pretty penny, like 50 million plus on LinkedIn ads. But with this specific individual, he has an advisory role over at Social HP. These guys, they probably spend, shoot 20K a month on their ads, but of course their clients, you know, could spend anywhere from 50 to $100 million a year. Now, what they do is very interesting is they pretty much help their clients save money on specific areas to allocate that budget elsewhere to kind of have a bigger impact on the business across the board to kind of boost that bottom line. But we'll dive into the nitty gritty today. So Jonathan, how's it going, man? Great, great. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. So we definitely kind of dove into a little bit of what y'all are doing before this, but give everybody, you know, give the people what they want, you know, give your backstory, some context there, which y'all are getting into. Sure. Yeah. So just a little bit of background. Uh, for me, I actually worked at LinkedIn for almost 10 years, finished up at the end of the summer and, um, and started consulting for social HP shortly after that. And, um, my, my time at LinkedIn was divided into a couple of areas, but, uh, the last four and a half years was actually on their social sharing platform called Elevate. And they ended up deciding to uh, sunset that. Uh, the reason was, uh, even though it was one of their fastest growing products and they uh, had a million Elevate seats out, it was making maybe around $50 million a year for LinkedIn. And they realized that if they put a few of those functions for free into your LinkedIn company page or what they would now call their pages experience, um, they could generate billions more sessions, therefore giving them the opportunity to sell billions of dollars more worth of ads. And so it was sort of the choice, 50 million off this product that's growing really fast or switch it over and make it, you know, a portion of it for free and have the opportunity to make billions of dollars. And they went for option B. So, and, and I don't blame them. I think it was a good idea. 
But uh, so uh, my expertise is is in that space. It's about helping uh, helping companies. Basically, you know, if you if you think about advertising and in a platform like LinkedIn, you think about your owned content. So those are your pages, you know, uh, uh, company page, showcase page, maybe your uh, uh, Twitter or Facebook presence, all those kinds of things, and of course your corporate channels. And then uh, you've got your paid advertising, which would be targeted ads that you're aiming at specific audiences. And then you have earned. And that's where I spent my time was on the earned content. So that's where uh, you would basically capitalize on the amazing networks that your employees have, who they're connected to. They're connected to your existing clients. They're connected to your future clients. And so if you get them sharing out thought leadership, industry content, and maybe some company relevant content, then that's going to do wonders for your company. And uh, statistically, employees are twice as trusted as messages coming from the company. And so, you know, if you and I are connected and I'm sharing something, you're like, oh, hey, what's Jonathan up to? And you're seeing these updates and then you're like, oh, that's so cool. You know, this is what his company's doing. And so those engagements are super valuable. And just a quick example would be um, if you were trying to sell in when I was at LinkedIn, if you were trying to sell into LinkedIn and you got me to like, comment or reshare anything that, uh, uh, you know, you, you'd put on the on the platform, it would reach two, 300 people at LinkedIn because that's how many internal LinkedIn connections I had. If I was one of those decision makers, I'm also connected to all the other decision makers. So every interaction that you get me to do, you're basically hitting everybody that matters to your company about the products and services you're trying to sell. And it keeps you top of mind. So that's where I spent my time on LinkedIn. And uh, I will say the biggest challenge with these kinds of platforms, because they're SaaS products, is uh, usage. So we were averaging 20 to 30 percent uh, average monthly usage, meaning if you had a thousand people on, you get two to three hundred people to actually log in and use it. And then that means seven, eight hundred people weren't. And so that was our challenging conversations at the end of the year. They'd be like, hey, look, we spent all this money and we have two two problems. One, we paid for, say, a thousand seats and only 20 or 30 percent of them are being used. So they were concerned about that. But also the bigger concern was this missed opportunity. The average person on LinkedIn has 800 connections. So if you have 800 people that aren't using it with 800 connections, you know, there's 640,000 people you could be reaching and you're not. And so mm. that was that was the real problem. And that's sort of the big thing I think that Social HP is doing right is that they built a platform that actually they can get 100% usage. And that's mm. because we built a do it for me functionality. And that do it for me functionality is like, hey, look, I think this is great. I want to sign up. But my full-time job, like I'm not a marketing expert. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm your average employee. I'm sales, marketing, whatever. I'm not a marketing expert. So I'm not going to know what content to pick. I'm not going to know where to find it. I don't want to log in and do it. I don't want to spend my time and my job doing this. You know, I want to do my job. So if, if you guys want to do it and make me look like a superstar while you're doing it, go for it. And that's, that's the success that we're seeing is that we're able to really scale this across because we have that do it for me functionality. Now with the original, so kind of going back a couple minutes sure. ago, yeah, you had, you had kind of two plans where they had essentially two plans with that, you know, 50 million a year ad spend, essentially. Mm -hmm. How long does that kind of decision take to where it's like, should we test this out? This is going really good over here, but this could be a jackpot over here. I'm kind of curious on how that decision process kind of works or how long it even takes place to kind of, you know, gauge the opportunity cost essentially. Um, like for example, uh, for a company that's spending that, those kinds of dollars and then they're looking at this other kind of product. Exactly. Yeah. So to be honest, because they've got that kind of spend, they, they will roll it out on a small scale pretty quickly just to test it out. 
And then we start measuring the ROI. So, you know, likes, comments, shares, who the audiences uh, are that they're engaging with, et cetera. And then we're able to actually calculate that into a, an earned media value. So for example, if your average cost per engagement on LinkedIn is three bucks, six bucks, you know, eight bucks, whatever it is, when you do your paid campaigns, we'll take that average dollar amount and then we'll apply it to those likes, comments, and shares that you get through the social shares. So that way we can say, hey, look, you know, if you if you put fifty thousand dollars into this evergreen channel, and uh, and you're generating you know two and a half million dollars in earned media value, that's the same as if you ran a two point five million dollar ad campaign. Mm. And then there is a bit of a, 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 a like a an argument to be said that not every single dollar of that two point five million earned media value would have been the exact targeted audience, but we can look at the employees connection sphere, if you will, like you know, what kinds of companies are they connected to? So are they connected to the people you care about? Uh, are they connected to the decision makers? And statistically they are, but it's not gonna be 100% of their network. So you could even just take a percentage of their network. So if they have 800 connections and you say 300 of them are really relevant, then we can literally just go, okay, well then that's you know 40% of the total amount of engagements. So therefore 40% of 2.5 million against a $50,000 spend, you're blowing it out the door. Wow. That's freaking cool. Yeah, when you got that budget, you can really do the. You can really save some time to have those smaller tests engage, you know, success. So that's pretty nifty. Yeah, yeah, and and then the reality is, even companies that are spending fifty or hundred k a year, even just a small test with their employees, because obviously they're not going to be able to roll it out at the same scale. They have way less employees, so even a small test for them is just a few thousand dollars. But the difference is that they're offsetting, you know, perhaps fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. It's it's a huge upside. Oh yeah. Well, snap, now that we got to know you a little bit, let's dive into some more of the segments of the podcast. Sure. So, of course, you know, with the name of the podcast, Rich Ad, Poor Ad, very close to another name, but we'd love to kind of gauge what's working good for you kind of right now at this point in time. Now, this could be for, you know, some of the individuals you're working with or social HP there, but what's, you know, what y'all's Rich Ad, what's working good? Um, for us, uh, sorry, I'd, I'd Start off with, uh, we do some pay-per-click on Google and they do work really, really well. Uh, I just find you can blow through budget really, really fast. So, you know, how targeted you are, I think is, is really what matters the most and which keywords you're using. Because if you go for the, obviously the most valuable keywords, then your budget disappears pretty damn quick. Uh, whereas um, if you're clever, and I think this is what we've tried to do is we've been clever about what kinds of keywords we're bidding on. And so they may not be the biggest keywords, but they're driving a lot of value and we get way more clicks for the same amount of money. And so I think that's been a really good strategy is just being selective about uh, uh, the kinds of keywords and, and getting the most value out of them. So probably not the most competitive, but maybe a little, maybe on like page three, essentially. I, I hear the same thing for affiliate offers where it's like, you never want to pick the number one or two or three. You kind of want to go a couple pages in to where it's not as saturated or competitive. So it, it seems like a similar process there. Yeah, a little bit. I think just it'll be instead of the one word that everybody uses, like, so for example, if you Google employee advocacy, we'll be there, but we're not going to be one of the paid ads. Whereas if you, you know, Googled um, social selling, we're probably going to be, you know, towards the top. So it's just knowing which, you know, which searches you want to appear in and which conversations you want to engage in quickly. And how are you able to kind of scale this up? Um, the volume based, you know, search and send. Right, exactly. And so for us, I think, you know, we've been staffing up with our sales team and, uh, and then we've got a pretty good uh, tool to be able to reach out. 
So we use a variety of different uh, uh, communication tools to be able to reach a lot of people. And, uh, and part of uh, what we do, I think that works as well, is that we, uh, we ask for advice. And so we'll ask industry experts, hey, here's what we're doing. What do you think we're doing right? What do you think we're doing wrong? And uh, they offer a lot of great advice that helps us with our product roadmap and, and what we should be doing next. And then a lot of the time when we have those conversations, uh, they also say, actually, we could be using this or our clients could be using this. And so we've actually established a lot of relationships for uh, basically like selling partners, if you will. You know, they're making introductions and then uh, those introductions are way more valuable than us trying to reach out to somebody cold. Oh, 100%. You already got that trust, that friendship in there kind of to an extent. So exactly. That's that's, hey, that's why we made the podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Get those relationships going. Oh, 100%. Man, so with kind of being more on the keyword side there, what do y'all use to kind of find these kind of more nonchalant keywords that aren't as competitive? Are there specific tools y'all use? Um, so uh, Google does a pretty good job of being able to tell you like stack ranking, uh, which ones are going to be the highest you know, dollar value and which ones are the, the most sought after all the way down. And so I think it's really just using their tools. Uh, I'm sure there's other ones. I'm just not familiar with them, and I'm certainly not an expert in that space. I was curious because, yeah, there are so many third-party tools these days. And, I mean, a lot of these tools, you know, Google and Facebook have really good native tools, but people love to go above and beyond to get that third-party, you know, integration of some sort. So I was kind of curious if you all had a little <clears throat> a little cheat over there. No, nah, I don't have one. Do you have one? No. No, uh, I don't okay. even do Google Ads. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. So okay, okay. I was like, what does he use for Google? Right. <laughs> They used to be really upfront and they used to actually give you that information for free. Really? Yes. What's it cost now? Uh, pardon me? What's it cost now? Um, I think it's just you have to be spending a certain amount and then they'll sort of disclose more information. But they used to actually, you'd just be able to sort of say like, you know, Google AdWords, you know, what are the most sought after and you could pick any topic and it would just stack rank everything for you and just provide all the information. And so it's a little bit harder to get to the to the truth, if you will. Oh man, the times have changed. <laughs> yeah, everything's oh. being monetized, right? Hey, got to do it somehow. So while that is very pretty, that's quite a rich ad there. I like that. Let's go ahead and segue into not so great ads. So I mean, on the podcast, we love to dive into, you know, something you thought would kind of kill it that maybe crash and burned. So I mean, what y'all poor ad in this world here? Um, I, I wouldn't say something that I thought would kill it and didn't work, but I'll say <laughs> something that the, the company did that they thought would kill it and didn't work um, is uh, is cold emails. Boy, boy, do they suck, you know? And so, I mean, you can be clever about how you write them, but uh, but cold emails like, hey, do you want to buy something is is not a great strategy. And uh, and so I would say, uh, you know, that's definitely something that, uh, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be putting a lot of dollars into. How many dollars y'all put into it before you're like, man, this is just not. I'm, I'm not sure. I think that I think it's a pretty cheap option, but I think it pisses a bunch of people off. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of cold email wizards on Twitter and my gosh, seeing their email threads of 20 threads to get someone to reply back. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, that's a I'm lot. I'm never, ever going to do that. That's <laughs> like, could you imagine doing that in person? Right? Oh, you, uh, like you would just be a social pariah. Oh, gosh, that, that would be a disaster. You walk into a room. OK, here comes the pitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you all ever tested any kind of LinkedIn cold outreach, like with automated messaging with your background being a little bit more on the LinkedIn side? Um, we, we have the ability to be able to do that. There are some tools that can, can scale it out. Uh, I would not, I would not be cool with it being done with my LinkedIn profile. Oh, I believe that. Because like, I don't want random invitations going out. I'm really, really tight on who I add into my network. And, uh, pretty much my network is people I've worked with clients and new clients. And that's, 
the vast majority of everybody I'm connected to. And I have quite a lot of connections, but you know, I had a lot of years at LinkedIn. So I was, I knew, I knew a lot of people and there was still a ton of people I didn't connect with that I could have, but uh, I, I wouldn't be comfortable, you know, just having 200 messages a month going out saying, Hey, do you want to connect? Do you want to connect? And then as soon as you connect, they're like, Oh, by the way, do you want to buy something? You know, like that kind of a thing. It's, it's, it's kind of like a cold, cold email other than, you know, like, great. You can, you can put a little bow on it and make it look pretty, but uh, it's just not my, uh, it's just not the thing I'd be comfortable with. I'd rather get a cold email than a cold LinkedIn outreach these days. Yeah. Cause email. you're just like, how do, how do I know you? And it's great. Like you read my profile and you think it's cool, but you know, it, it's, it wouldn't be for me. Yeah. And I mean, that that's a super hot topic. I mean, with cold outreaches in general, it's, it's so hit or miss and it involves so many different resources testing there to where there are a lot of other ways to probably bring in higher quality candidates, I should say. Yeah. I think, you know, one strategy that always works probably no matter which way you do it is asking for help. People are generally pretty open to helping. And if that is your purpose and you can, you know, if it turns into a conversation around business and, and sales later, that's, that's all well and good. But if it's somebody that you think can generally, you know, help your business and uh, really provide some good direction, then I think it's worthwhile to ask. Uh, because there's there's nothing wrong with asking an expert. Now, if you were to ask an expert out of the gate, would you bring up any monetization information or, hey, I just have one question, you know, I'll pay for consulting or do you just kind of, hey, I have a quick question. How would you approach that there? Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, it depends if you've got budget, right? If you've got, if you've got money sitting around and you, you have the ability to be able to offer it, sure, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like, hey, we're going to be occupying some of your time. Your time is valuable. You know, but if, if you're, if you've got a small business and it's just you, or it's just a few folks and you've, you've got limited resources and you're trying to grow that thing, you know, maybe offering dollars is a little scary. And then maybe it's just truly just saying, Hey, look, before we go to market, this is, this would be really helpful if we could talk to somebody like you as an expert in your, in the industry, uh, you know, would love your opinion on what we're doing and any suggestions you have for how we could move forward. I like that. That's, we that's, just got I think it. that's yeah. Reasonably compelling. And that would make me jump. It's just whenever you get hundreds of those, hey, I have a quick question, turns into question after question. Right. So I know some people scares away, but then, hey, if you brought on, hey, I'm happy to pay for consulting, you already kind of weeded out. This person's already, you know, a little bit higher quality versus somebody who wants freebies, essentially. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you have budget, offer it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Skip the line, man. I, <laughs> I just paid double for an Xbox and I can't get it anywhere. So people do it, you know? For sure. Oh, that's funny. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend in partnership with MasterCard. And if you are an aggressive affiliate dealing with dozens of ad accounts, or you are in gray hat or black hat verticals, such as drop shipping, CBD, or other verticals where you're dealing with ad accounts getting shut down, business managers getting shut down, or even de-platform from platforms like Facebook and Google, then you absolutely need to check out Funnel Dash's ad card. We give you unlimited free virtual debit and credit cards. So you can have a dedicated card for every single ad account campaign. And you can attach any name and address in the US so you have complete anonymity on the card and at the card level. Plus, one of my favorite features is that you don't have to pre-fund or even top off like most typical virtual card solutions today. So if this is you and you're operating these verticals, whether you're an agency or an advertiser, then check out AdCard at FunnelDash.com. So the final piece of the pie, the juice, the juice of it all. Yep. 
So, I mean, you know, we have a lot of intermediates to advance, you know, media buyers, average, you know, agencies, business owners, you know, affiliate guys on here. So, I mean, what kind of financial tip or principle could you share with the audience based off your expertise that could be personal or business related? Well, I, I could certainly relate it right back to where I'm consulting for, which is, I think, and, and we sort of highlighted on that, that cost offset, which is in a perfect world, you want an evergreen channel either a free evergreen channel, which there are some, but they just tend not to really like scale, but uh, you want an evergreen channel and a cheap or you know low cost evergreen channel is sort of the perfect scenario. So for example, uh, uh, and obviously I have my LinkedIn background, so I always have my LinkedIn hat on. And so, but even like the smallest LinkedIn campaign, if you were talking to a LinkedIn rep, the smallest campaign I've ever done is $10,000 and it would run like a week. Like you could blow, you could blow through ten thousand dollars and like very, very fast on LinkedIn, and and if you had a very finite audience, I mean, you could drag it out, but you know the the number of engagements you're getting is very, very small, and so whereas if you used a platform where you're engaging your employees and sharing content through their networks, once you pay for it, you've got green light for the entire year, and that's the difference. Where you know, for example, like a real small implementation, it's forty five hundred bucks, and you've got. 12 months of marketing and advertising opportunity driven right through your employees' networks and their networks are your customers and your future customers. And the difference in value, you know, off of like a under $5,000 spend, you could generate, you know, I've seen half million dollars worth of earned media value generated in the same amount of time. And that's the power of the, the networks. You know, if your employees have them, the company has it, why not capitalize on it? and switch that, you know, that green light on because campaigns, they start and then they end. And then that's the, you know, then you've got to assess and go like, oh my God, I literally put all my eggs in this very dangerous basket. And it, you know, if it doesn't work out, you really kind of feel like you're SOL. Whereas, you know, a platform like this, you've got your employees sharing through to LinkedIn, you've got them sharing through to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and depending on where they are in the world, there's other networks available. And so, depending on the kind of business that you have, you know, where your target audience is, your employees have those connections and, and those are the most valuable ones, right? So you're solidifying and strengthening those relationships. You're elevating the profile of your employees. And, uh, and I'm suggesting this based on, you know, not sharing garbage, but sharing like thoughtful, meaningful, valuable content. And uh, we used to have a ratio that we would describe on LinkedIn uh, for content sharing, which was three, two, one. So that's three pieces of thought leadership two pieces of industry content, and then one piece about your company or products or services. That way your employees don't feel like they're a blowhorn, you know, buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that. It's not that. It's, hey, here's something thoughtful that, you know, that might help you guys in business. Oh, here's this new way of doing this thing. Or here's something that's happening in our industry. And then, oh, by the way, we're doing this thing, you know, we're doing this charity run, or we've just done this deal. And so uh, employees feel much better about doing that. And then their networks are much more willing to continue to listen because they feel like they have now a brand connection. You know, so if you think about, for example, if I say, you know, the word Tesla, we think about a particular brand, we think about what they're doing with their car company. And we have, you know, there's a lot of Tesla fanatics and there might be some people that are opposed to it, but it, it basically provides a strong reaction, right? I have a feeling about what this brand is about. Nike, I know what this brand is about. I know what they represent. And so, you can control the narrative. You can think about what's the story I want to tell. 
How do I get people at the top of the funnel to just be aware of my company? And then how do I slowly over the course of time work them through that sales funnel so that, that way when I am pitching product later on, they're much more receptive to it. And when you've got an evergreen channel like this, you've got a whole year. And then, you know, if you keep it going, you've got years of continually communicating and developing and enhancing those relationships. And I think that would be my financial tip. Yeah, and I mean, I love that three, two, one model. Cause I mean, I, I was, whenever you kind of brought this up to me in the, in the beginning, I was like, man, how do you get your employees to get on board with this to kind of just, you know, post promoted content or just, you know, all about the business or brands where it's not too relevant. But I, I like how you have the different approach to it. And I'm kind of curious, of course, it's gonna lead into a question. How do you get this implemented for, you know, businesses, essentially? Is this something all the employees have to get on, on board for? Or would it be, hey, we're looking to get 50% out of the gate and kind of test this out? I'm kind of curious how you would roll this out at scale. So it depends on the size of the company. I mean, if it's a 50-person company, you can sign 50 people up in, in a day. Uh, if it's a company that's got 50,000 employees, the best I've ever seen is 50% of the employees. Okay, that's not bad. So you're not going to get 100%. First of all, not everybody's on social. Not everybody wants to be on social. You know, there's a bunch of different demographics and uh, and you can't expect everybody to want to do this. People have to raise their hand and say, I'm interested. And this isn't this isn't something you need to like you go and mandate like, hey, you're you're going to sign up. You're going to connect all your socials and we're going to take care of it. You know, like people people go like, oh, OK, this makes sense. I like the idea. And here's what it does for me. Here's what it does for the company. And so um, the amount of time it takes to roll it out, I would say from an initial conversation, if they wanna move quickly through to like a launch is two weeks. It could be pretty quick. We're really solid on you know, building out the uh, implementation, doing the training, it's all recorded, it's easily accessible, we've got 24 seven support. So from that standpoint, that's all easy. And then the messaging really is just about understanding you know, that audience at the, at the company. You know, is it marketing people? Is it salespeople? Is it the executive leadership? You know, how are we getting these different audiences on? And then what are they, what are we expecting them to share out? And if we have that messaging down, uh, then it's usually pretty simple and, and pretty straightforward to, to get people to sign up. You kind of went over that there, but I'm kind of curious, what's the big value prop, you know, for the employees essentially? Is it, hey, we're going to be sharing this across all these accounts. They're going to get more organic reach here. You're probably going to get more followers. Y'all kind of position it that way by any chance, or is it more of, hey, for the business essentially? Yeah, it depends on, it depends on what it is. And so there's different use cases. So if it's, if they're salespeople, it typically it's about, you know, hey, potential to generate leads. Uh, you're going to get interactions with people that you want to book meetings with. And when they interact and like comment, oh, thanks so much for sharing that. Then it'll be like, oh, yeah, great. Actually, we've got this thing. It'd be great for us to chat again. You know, got this thing coming up. Maybe you want to, you know, go to our seminar. Maybe you want to have a meeting and have a conversation. From a marketing uh, standpoint, they, t they get it right away. Like, okay, you know, more engagements. I'm, you know, I'm proud of my company. I want to do something positive for the company and we know that this is going to move it forward uh, but for most individuals they also care about just like what's it going to do for them right so it will make them more marketable because it's going to raise their social profile it's going to show they're more professional it's going to show them and, and make them uh, be seen as an expert in the industry and when you're going to look for another job that's not a terrible thing to have happen right you you want to have people go oh well you know dylan's a total standout Right. Like he, he's in my network. He's always great. Like it's easier to get the referrals in. It's it's easier to get those interviews. And when people look you up, they can see you've got a track record for sharing like really helpful, insightful information. So from a selfish standpoint, there's there's you know, there's no shortage of good things to be able to say about what it could do for an employee. But uh, companies, 
you know, there's, there's four main use cases. There's sales, marketing, and then there's talent acquisition, meaning like, hey, there's so many companies that like are struggling for tech talent. And if you can get your technical people to share content, well, who did they work with before? Other tech people. What teams were they on before? People that had all the same skill sets. And if you're not at Google, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, or one of the other tech companies, you're probably not stack ranked number one for them. You know, most people when they're graduating or have that background, they want to go to, you know, those cool companies that are doing cool stuff. Well, you can tell your story over the course of time and sort of say, like, here's some of the cool projects our teams are working on. Here's some of the cool technology that they're working with. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, I didn't like, I didn't know you guys had the same stuff that these other companies do. And you guys are doing this really cool stuff. And also your campus is one you know, mile away from my house. And so, yeah, actually, I think I really would want to work there. So that also really helps to be able to drive people in. And then the last one's corporate communications, but brand reputation. So, mm. you know, you can have stuff happen in the news and all of a sudden you've got a PR nightmare. Well, you can control the narrative when you're the one that's distributing the content. You're the one that's choosing which stories you share. You're controlling how the market is perceiving you. And if it's done through your employees, it's twice as trusted. So you have that ability to be able to uh, have all the goodness bubble to the top. Oh my gosh. That's what I was going to curious. I'm like, if a disaster happens, you know, how do you kind of impact that? But hey, you, you can, you got a say in it then in that scenario. Yeah. That's pretty freaking cool. My gosh, Jonathan, this has been absolutely epic and quite a learning curve for me on the LinkedIn side for sure. <laughs> but give everybody a scoop. What do y'all have cooking over there in the kitchen? Anything exciting kind of coming out? How can people kind of get in touch there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, they can just, they can reach me through social HP, but, um, uh, we've got a cool uh, functionality that's coming in, which is we're building out an executive communications platform. Uh, and so uh, normally executives just don't have time to manage their calendars. And so we're building it so that not only can uh, somebody go in and manage it, so like their comms person or marketing person can build out that, that functionality, um, uh, but also they can manage like the comments coming in. They can manage who likes and comments on it, which is which is something that hasn't existed before. So like an executive can post something and then we can literally choose like, oh, this other executive will reshare it on this day and then they'll comment on it on that day. And it'll really kind of like be more this like gradual, natural, uh, uh, yeah, like set of, of reactions. So that's really cool. And then also we're launching a um, uh, reverse IP lookup and de-anonymization functionality. So which means like, hey, what happens after they click on your social share? And then you drive them to your website. Who are they? And what do they do? Did they go to your pricing page? Did they download, you know, do they want to download a white paper? Uh, are they on your product page? And we can actually tell you what companies people are coming from and which employees shared that content. So we can go back to those sales reps and say, hey, you know, three people from Apple came and they uh, clicked on your social shares and they went to the pricing page. Maybe you want to check and they can just literally type in Apple on LinkedIn and go, oh yeah, yeah, it's like such and so. Oh, I'll just book a meeting and close that deal. So we'll be able to like, you know, loop all that, uh, you know, together. So that's all rolling out right now. That's like a home run right there, man. That's freaking cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. Yeah, tracking to the next level and be able to kind of correlate it or cross-reference it somewhere. That's pretty freaking nifty right there. Holy moly. Yeah, we're not doing it by name because it's uh, obviously you can't get that specific, but it's not that hard to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Oh, I believe it. Hey, they're, they're going to make it hard for you in some way or another these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Jonathan, man, thanks for coming on. This is an absolute blast here, man. Well, y'all, y'all know where to check them out. Social HP, check it out. It sounds pretty cool and exciting. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Dylan. Appreciate it.
so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoorad.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funnel-dash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoorad.com. To leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.